Welcome to the Bob Harden Show, bringing you news and commentary to keep you informed and enjoying life on the Paradise Coast. And now, here's your host, Bob Harden. Good morning. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning. Johnson's Air Conditioning is Naples' longest established air conditioning company. They take care of our air conditioning, and they'll do a great job for you. Visit johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. You can visit lifeinnaples.net to find out more. We have terrific guests for today's show, including William Yateman. He is a research fellow at the Cato Institute. I always look forward to his very well-informed uh, commentary on what's happening. We'll visit with Byron Donalds, our U.S. representative. He'll be with us as well as Kelly Apfel, she is the Community Relations Coordinator with Midwest Food Bank. And Dave Beagle, the author of The Devil at Our Doorstep, will be joining us as well. It is January the 29th, and on this day in 1936, the U.S. Baseball Hall of Fame elected its first five members. Cooperstown, New York, that was Ty Cobb, Babe Ruth, Honus Wagner, Christy Mathewson, and Walter Johnson, five of the greatest players to ever play the game. The Hall of Fame actually had its beginnings in 1935 when plans were made to build a museum devoted to baseball in its 100-year history. A private organization based in Cooperstown called the Clark Foundation thought establishing the Baseball Hall of Fame in their city would help to reinvigorate the area's depression-ravaged economy by attracting tourists. To help sell the idea, the foundation advanced the idea that U.S. Civil War hero Abner Doubleday invented baseball in Cooperstown. The story proved to be phony, but baseball officials eager to capitalize on the marketing and publicity potential of a museum to honor the game's greats gave their support to the project anyhow. In preparation for the dedication of the Hall of Fame in 1939, thought many by it to be a centennial of baseball, the writer, Baseball Writers Association of America chose the five greatest superstars of the game at the first class to be inducted. Ty Cobb was the most productive hitter in history. Babe Ruth was both an ace pitcher and a great home run hitter to play the game. Honus Wagner was a versatile star at shortstop and batting champion. And Christy Mathewson had more wins than any pitcher in National League history. And Walter Johnson was considered one of the most powerful pitchers to have ever taken the mound. Washington Senator Walter Johnson. Today, with approximately 350,000 visitors per year, the Hall of Fame continues to be the hub of all things baseball course, founded on a phony idea that Abner Doubleday invented the game. Great story. Well, the latest international testing of hydroxychloroquine, that treatment, of course, you remember that President Trump took of coronavirus, shows countries that had early use of the drug had a 79% lower mortality rate than countries that banned the use of the safe malaria drug. That means that Dr. Fauci, Dr. Birch, Burks, the CDC, the liberal fake news media, and the tech, tech giants all have been pushing a lie that has been deadly in its consequences. America's lost over 150,000 lives at that time and now total over 440,000 lives. Now we know that the number could have been lower significantly if, if HCQ would have been promoted in the U.S. A new study posted by the American Journal of Medicine in January found that early treatment of coronavirus patients with hydroxychloroquine Lowered the mortality rate for the disease, the study found that immediate use of HCQ while the patient was still at home showed significant benefits. All of that to resist and try to make President Trump look bad. Lives lost. And an inexpensive and harmless drug that could have helped many to survive a coronavirus. Well, over a fifth of the Americans live in either California or uh, the Florida. So one-fifth of all Americans so the different paths they've taken during the pandemic can teach us a lot about what has worked and what hasn't. The Golden Gate State, run by Governor Gavin Newsom, has embraced strict stay-at-home orders that he only lifted this week. And of course, I think that's in order to save him, is, uh, himself from uh, impeachment or withdrawal from office. The state schools have been largely shut down since March, along with many businesses. By comparison... Our great governor, Ron DeSantis, has kept schools open and he lifted curbs on bars, restaurants, and other businesses in September. He said, people have a right to work and earn a living in this state, he declared. We can fight the virus and at the same time allow people to provide for their families. Britain's Daily Mail newspaper reported that despite 
these different approaches, both states ended up with the same outcome. Can you believe that? It's, a, it's analysis found that over the, uh, the last year, both states had near identical rates of uh, cases, deaths, and hospitalizations. Just amazing story. All that for naught. And uh, our governor, again, he said, actually said, if you're going to put any kind of uh, mandates on the populace, you're going to have to have it approved by the governor's office. Just really appreciate his leadership. Joe Biden's assaults on American energy are coming to rapid fire now. The latest this week is a temporary moratorium on drilling on federal lands. Many states like New Mexico are rich with energy resources underneath public lands. The unmitigated stupidity of this war on America's fossil fuel is unparalleled. 80% of our energy comes from oil, gas, and coal. Biden wants it to go to zero. And replace it with what? Bicycles? Less than 5% of our energy comes from wind and solar. Anyone who thinks we're going to uh, power a $20 trillion industrial economy with windmills and solar panels is willfully ignorant. This is a frontal assault on American prosperity, and it's got to be stopped. And the sooner the better. A coalition of state attorneys general on Wednesday sent a letter to President Joe Biden reminding him that any potentially unconstitutional executive actions or federal overreach will not go unchallenged. The letter signed by six attorneys general put a Biden administration on notice that any actions that might exceed their statutory authority are inconsistent with constitutional tenets or place civil liberties at risk could trigger legal action by the states. Uh, we stand, and here's a quote, we stand ready to meet with your administration to discuss how will these issues can affect our states. Litigation is never a first option, and we'd like to help your team in its important job on behalf of Americans, consistent with the Constitution and the rule of law. That, according to West Virginia, A.G. Patrick Morrissey, who's leading the group, wrote the letter addressed to the White House. Well, it's already starting. Biden and his administration was hit with an immediate lawsuit Wednesday over its decision to halt oil and gas leasing on federal lands. Uh, Western Energy Alliance, a group representing fossil fuel producers active on federal lands, sued in the U.S. District Court of uh, Wyoming, alleging President Biden exceeded presidential authority. Kathleen Sagama, president of the alliance, described Biden's actions as a ban, despite his administration describing the order as a temporary moratorium. In any event, the first case against uh, these egregious attempts to limit human prosperity. Former President Donald Trump left a parting gift before leaving Washington, D.C. that his predecessor, or successor, I should say, was not happy about. Dozens of allies appointed to a variety of government boards and commissions. President Joe Biden is now looking into how the administration can replace a number of Trump appointees to boards such as those overseeing the Kennedy Center for the Performing Arts and the Air Force Academy, according to Politico. But these people Trump appointed may, at the last minute, may uh, be there for many years because they can stay there for their terms. They may not be up for many years. Biden is, uh, may be able to replace some of them, but certainly not all of them. Congratulations, President Trump. Well, here's a concerning story. At the World Economic Forum, virtual Davos Agenda Summit on Tuesday, French President Emmanuel Macron declared that in the wake of Chinese coronavirus, modern capitalism can no longer work. I'm not kidding. He really said that. What an idiot. Uh, appearing before a, a question-and-answer session conducted by with Great Reset architect and founder-chairman of the World uh, Economic Forum, that would be Klaus Schwab, Mr. Macron said that while capitalism has historically driven down poverty globally, he claimed that it came with the cost of furthering inequality. Now here, he mistakes uh, equality of outcomes with equality of uh, opportunity and freedom, and which is a fatal error in his case, and he, may, he builds his entire narrative on that. For example, he said, we'll get out of this pandemic only when, when an economy that thinks more about fighting inequalities, he said. The capitalist model together with this open economy can no longer work in this environment, he added. The French president pronounced this capitalism has resulted in a deep moral and economic crisis in which hundreds of thousands of people throughout the world had this feeling of losing their usefulness. He really said that. Macron said there were two kings in the system, shareholders and consumers, and that capitalism has failed to support laborers 
and has been detrimental to the environment. Mr. Macron has been seen largely as an economic neoliberal leader, went on to claim that the world needs to move beyond the hostility towards state intervention into the economy and that companies must be bound by the responsibilities of alleviating economic inequality and reducing their alleged impact on the climate. This is the Great Reset, folks. This is what uh, Biden, I think, is. Uh, many of his orders are basically supporting this whole notion, uh, his executive orders. He argued that for the economy of tomorrow to succeed, businesses must balance competitiveness with fighting supposedly man-made climate change and reducing carbon dioxide emissions. Carbon dioxide emissions are plant food. We exhale carbon dioxide. We take in oxygen. Uh, the trees take in the carbon dioxide and through photosynthesis produce oxygen. It's a wonderful thing that God's done for us. And somehow, some way, we want to interject ourselves because there's too much carbon dioxide. Crazy stuff. This segment of the show brought to you by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning, Naples' longest established air conditioning company. Please visit johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. Visit the website, lifeinnaples.net. Coming up, William Yateman. He's a research fellow at the Cato Institute. That and more right here in the Bob Harden Show and the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. I'm Bob Harden, the host of the Bob Harden Show. One of my favorites for breakfast or lunch is Lulabee's Diner, providing great service, Fabulous food and a rockin' good time. Lulabee's Diner's a throwback good to the morning, 60s, morning. complete with going? great music and a fabulous 60s decor. What I like best is a blend of great food, great value, and terrific oh, servants. So Most of the friendly waitstaff has been part of Lulabee's for yeah, years. I enjoy the great choices for breakfast and lunch, and you'll find the menu has everything and anything to satisfy your taste. So Lulabee's offers catering, party platters, lunch boxes, and more. Lulabee's Diner will quickly become one of your favorites for breakfast or lunch. No reservations are needed. Check out the website at lulabees.com and stop by Lulabee's Diner, open from 8 a.m. until 2 p.m., seven days a week. Lulabee's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center at the corner of Immokalee and Airport Pulling Roads. Stop by Lulabee's Diner for fabulous food and for a forever cool rockin' good time. Did you know St. Matthew's House operates the only emergency homeless shelters in Collier County? St. Matthew's House provided more than 500,000 hot meals to those in need last year, and since 2010, 527 men and women have graduated from the St. Matthew's House Justin's Place Addiction Recovery Program. For over 30 years, St. Matthew's House has provided innovative solutions to fight homelessness, hunger, substance abuse, and poverty in Southwest Florida. And you can help St. Matthew's House in this life-transforming work by patronizing the St. Matthew's House Thrift Stores, Cafe M25, Car Wash and Detailing Center, and award-winning catering operations. For more information, visit stmatthewshouse.org. That's stmatthewshouse.org. St. Matthew's House is a 501c3 not-for-profit organization and does not solicit government funding. to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Gulf Shore Playhouse, bringing you professional New York-style theater at its very best. Get tickets now for uh, Love Letters. Uh, running right now through the end of, uh, I guess, through Saturday. You can get tickets at uh, golfshoreplayhouse.org. By the way, uh, our guest is William Yateman. Uh, you heard me. I didn't pot down my motor on uh, my microphone, so you heard me congratulate him on the birth of his second son. <laughs> William is a research fellow at the Cato Institute. William, thank you so much for joining us. William, I'm sorry I didn't pot up your microphone. <laughs> Welcome to the show. <laughs> so, uh, William, tell us about the Cato Institute. You bet. Uh, we're a think tank here in Washington, D.C., and we're dedicated to advancing the ideals of a free society at every level of government. K 
Cato.org is the website, C-A-T-O.org. So let's start off by talking about the executive orders that the president is issuing right now. Everyone, I continue to scratch my head and say, is this for the American people? How does this advance liberty in America? What are your thoughts? Well, so just as a, a matter of numbers, through his first week, Biden issued more than 40 significant executive actions and in areas from immigration, labor, health care, but most prominently climate change. Mm. Um, that is a record pace. Uh, his predecessors, Trump, Obama, um, Bush, had issued a handful by now. Um, they hadn't reached these totals until a couple months in office. So we're really seeing him uh, hit the ground running, for better or for worse. And as, uh, to what's going on, uh, basically, we're seeing a reimposition of Obama's second term. Um, and uh, I'll say uh, two notes on that. Um, one, I, I think it's pretty politically risky. I mean, politics, uh, politics aren't my bailiwick at all. Mm-hmm. But I do know that uh, presidents in their second term, when they no, no longer face electoral accountability, tend to go all in, especially progressive presidents, with, with policies. Um, and, I, and I think by sort of reinstituting what were a number of controversial policies in immigration and, and climate change, um, that, that did, especially in his first term, that perhaps he's, he's currying um, political problems two and four years down the road. But we'll see. Yeah. Um, it just did, you know, yeah, I think probably that may reflect that you make a great point, but that may reflect on the fact that he knows that he's a one term president. Well, you know, uh, perhaps, and that would be um, that would be something. I mean, you know, if he came out there, or if that's his intent all along, and, and I'll be perfectly honest with you, um, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm loath to prognosticate, but these are seemingly telling signals. I mean, these were the, there is a reason that that President Obama, when he was running in 2012, when he was debating Mitt Romney, was talking about how he was pro oil pro-gas, even pro-coal, mm-hmm. and it was only after he won re-election and no longer would face the voters ever again that he pivoted very hard to climate change. Um, so I do find it curious that, that on day one, really, um, oh, Biden, Biden took it uh, you know, from zero to 60 um, and really kind of set the federal government back where it was on Obama's last day. You know, it's so interesting, too. Uh, Chuck Schumer apparently on was on, uh, I guess it was MSNBC, and suggested that it might be a good idea for President Biden to declare a climate emergency that would allow Biden to do many, many things without legislative action. In other words, these folks are all in to trying to uh, get rid of uh, carbon-based fuel, which is kind of crazy because all the evidence point. I learned in the eighth grade, and I'm sure you did too, that actually carbon dioxide is... Uh, Plant food. <laughs> it, it fuels photosynthesis, for crying out loud. Well, indeed. Uh, I'll say this as well. As a matter of, of constitutional order, it's very curious what Chuck Schumer did. He did that a couple nights ago on the Rachel Maddow show. Ah. Um, when President Trump used the same authority to declare a national emergency to procure funds along, uh, along the border wall, and that was something I grossly objected to, but so did Schumer. And at the time, the entire Senate Democrat caucus um, were outraged, and they were talking about how this trampled upon the Congress's rightful authority. Um, So I find it somewhat outrageous that as the Senate majority leader, Senator Schumer has so little institutional pride that he's willing to, uh, in essence, um, uh, that which he found very objectionable uh, three years or two years ago, I'm sorry, um, all of a sudden, he, he's pushing on our current president. So uh, that's a very curious posture for the Senate majority leader to take on, given that it, it diminishes Congress. It diminishes his own body. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. And, I, of course, I confess that I was a uh, Trump supporter, and uh, I, I love the idea of making America great again. I thought it was a great campaign. It pulled us all together. And then I scratched my head, and I asked myself, how does all this, you know, he made us energy independent with his policies. I keep on asking myself after all these executive orders, is this, how is this helping make America great again? I just don't, I don't see the, I think he's just pandering to, uh, to some money to, that has come in to support those issues. Well, I, I'll say this. You, you bring up a great point with respect to priorities. Mm-hmm. I don't think any political observer 
took from the 2020 presidential election that the, the American people is champing at the bit for climate action. I mean, I don't think that was the number one takeaway mm-hmm. from the election, but watching the, the Biden administration, um, that is clearly what they're supposing, um, it, you know, if it is not his intention to be a one-term president. So uh, I wonder, this is what I was getting at with the, the politics earlier, um, is this where American people are right now, given the COVID crisis, given um, the economic crisis, the, the attendant economic crisis with the, the COVID pandemic? Um, so I wonder about these signals. I mean, you know, he's, he's telling the American people that my foremost priority, it, it's indeed, he declared it a national security foremost priority, is climate change. And, yeah. and I'm not sure if, if a, the, the average American shares the same priority. I think they're more concerned about things like getting their kids back in school. Yeah, I think so. As the old saying goes, this, I don't think this is going to sell in Peoria. So. <laughs> <laughs> indeed, indeed. So, uh, yeah, any, any comments and thoughts on this impeachment process? Well, uh, we've spoken about this before in the context of, of quote-unquote, unity. And, and I certainly don't think that uh, the House sending over the one, you know, their, their fast action on one article of, of impeachment for incitement of insurrection. Um, I, I certainly don't think it, it's, it's, it's advancing the goal of unity. And, and at the same time, I wonder what sort of common sense it makes in the Senate, given that earlier this week, upon receiving the article of impeachment from the House, the, the Senate um, voted on a point, a constitutional point of order offered by Rand Paul, and, and 45 senators mm-hmm. voted that the proceeding itself would be unconstitutional because Trump is no longer in office. Well, as your listeners no doubt are aware, it takes a two-third majority of the Senate to convict the president. Um, so clearly those votes aren't there, and, and I guess this gets back to that issue of priorities that I was just talking about. Yeah. Um, with all these things going on in our country, one wonders whether or not spending a great deal of Senate floor time on the conviction of President Trump, or you know, given that it won't occur, obviously, given that prior vote on, on Rand Paul's point yeah. of order, um, you know, does that make sense as a, as a priority for Congress? I, I, I'm not sure. Well, plus, uh, you know, once uh, th- this is actually goes to trial, it would, I would imagine that President Trump would want to make his case for how the election was stolen, and that would create a wonderful opportunity for him to present his case. I'm not sure that uh, they'd like to see that. The other thing is that politically, right now, the the uh, popularity of uh, former President Trump is going up. It's not going down. So <laughs> they got themselves in quite a vice here. It's, well, I'll note that. Uh, I'll note uh, this. That's the second time that an impeachment has boosted his approval ratings. I mean, you would think the Democrats in Congress would learn. Yeah, exactly. William Yateman, again, I wish we had some more time, so much more to talk about. A research fellow at the Cato Institute. William, I genuinely appreciate you coming on the show. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me on, Bob. My pleasure, indeed. All right, coming up, uh, we're going to be visiting uh, with our congressman, Byron Donalds, we're going to do that and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Luke Provence Restaurant is a favorite dining destination for many Neapolitans, including Linda and myself. Blue Provence, located in a historic building in the heart of Old Naples at Creighton Cove, offers a mix of French bistro cooking with bold, fresh Floridian flavors. Experience award-winning cuisine at Blue Provence and enjoy one of Florida's most extensive, eclectic, and fun wine cellars. Dining your choice of the popular Eden Bar, the intimate Courtyard Garden, or the beautiful Provencal Caribbean Dining Room. Enjoy a wonderful and memorable evening in a casual and relaxed atmosphere that includes a taste of Provencal hospitality. Blue Provence is open seven days a week, all year round. Visit BlueProvenceNaples.com for reservations, everyday specials, and coming events. That's BlueProvenceNaples.com or call 261-8239. That's 261-8239. Blue Provence French Restaurant in the heart of Old Naples. Golfshire Playhouse is passionately committed to enriching our cultural landscape 
by producing professional theater to the highest artistic standards and providing unique educational opportunities to folks in a spirit of service, adventure, and excitement. Over the past 15 years, the Playhouse has expanded immensely, outgoing its current facilities. With dreams of expanding even further in order to better serve the community, broaden the economic impact, and strengthen the cultural fabric of our region, it's time to build and move into a new home. A 44,000 square foot state-of-the-art theater and education center will be built on three acres at the corner of First Avenue South and Goodlett Frank Road, allowing Gulf Shore Playhouse to achieve those dreams. To find out more about Gulf Shore Playhouse, this state-of-the-art performing arts center, and about the season's exciting productions, visit golfshoreplayhouse.org. That's golfshoreplayhouse.org. We'll see you at the show. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's providing you news and commentary rooted in the commitment to individual liberty, personal responsibility, limited government, and the rule of law. Coming up, we're going to visit with Kelly Apfel. She's the Community Relations Coordinator with the Midwest Food Bank. Right now, we have with us our Congressman, Byron Donalds. Congressman Donald, thank you so much for joining us. Good morning, Bob. How are you? I'm well, thank you. It's so strange to say, <laughs> Congressman Donalds, after our friendship after all these years, but nevertheless, I'm so proud of you up there in Congress and what's going on. So much to talk about. Uh, I guess let's just uh, hold, raise this whole issue of uh, executive orders and what the president is doing right now. Uh, the president, if you, if, if you take him at his word from when he was running as a candidate to be president, is being a dictator. I mean, he was in a in a forum with uh, George Stephanopoulos, and he literally said, like, you know, to get the agenda done, you have to be able to get the votes. You just can't do it by executive order. I mean, that's what dictators do. Mm -hmm. But that, those are his words, Bob. Yeah, that's what he's doing. He literally is just doing this step by step with a pen and a phone. He's taking what Barack Obama said. Uh, he's taking it to a whole nother level. Like, if you really look at, he has done more executive orders than any of the last six presidents combined. That's what's going on right now. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's really touching every aspect of America, and it's just, just not the way to go. Uh, we are a democratic republic. Members of Congress represent their areas. You're not always going to get your way, but you do have to bring these issues to Congress. Some of the ones that are most egregious, I mean, the Paris Climate Accords, and I know that the fact that they call it a climate accord, that means it's they're using cute language, so that means that it's not a treaty. That's not true. It's a treaty. There are benchmarks that the United States has to perform under that agreement. That should come back to Congress. Mm -hmm. um, and the Congress should actually vote and decide whether we're going to engage in this climate, this climate accord, not just the president unilaterally. Um, you have things like getting rid of the Keystone Pipeline, stopping, stopping the construction of that. Number one, this, you talk about the tens of thousands of jobs that are lost. Mm -hmm. But number two, what about the fact that if you stop these construction contracts, the contracts still have to be paid. Bob, it's a business contract or any other. Yeah. If you don't perform your side of the deal, you actually are liable for the value of that contract. So this could actually end up costing the American people more money, frankly, to just stop construction altogether. And why are we doing this? Purely for politics. Yeah, I'm, I'm assuming it's to appease uh, some branch of uh, far-left politics, but it's certainly, you know, I, it's all in juxtaposition to re remember to uh, President Trump saying he wants to make America great again. So I always scratch my head there on, with each order to ask myself, how is this making our country great again? It's They're not. Exactly right. It simply is not. Then you have somebody like, like you know, you have John Kerry going out there who's the climate envoy or whatever they call him yeah. and he's literally saying well you know those people who have jobs they can just get other jobs they can yeah. just make solar panels like john Kerry, like that's not your jo your job is not to realign what, what the american people are doing in their lives yeah. the people that work in the oil patch the people that work on these pipeline rigs they took those jobs for a myriad of reasons they took those jobs and they have those jobs so now he's saying, no, you guys can't have your jobs anymore. Sit down. We'll retrain you. And then you can go off and do something else. He doesn't even understand, at a minimum, the logistics that go on in their families' lives. What does it mean for their children if they have any? What it means for those towns and those communities where these people live? He has no idea. He's right. only fixated on his amorphous goal of climate. Yeah. And this is the problem. And this is what happens when you have do-gooders in D.C. who think they know everything and can make decisions for everybody. 
It's got to stop. Well, you know, our wall against uh, these atrocious decisions, of course, uh, is uh, we have the courts. Uh, attorneys general are already starting to raise their uh, their concerns about what's going on, but also Congress. I mean, what's the mood, and what are you hearing from your uh, Fenator, uh, fellow conservatives there in Congress? Oh no, we're all furious because we're like, listen, we understand that we understand that we're in the minority in the House, mm-hmm. but at least bring these bills forward. Uh, there is no movement in the House right now. Nancy Pelosi's not bringing putting forward any agenda. There's no suite of bills. Committees aren't even meeting yet. Like we're actually going to start committee work next week. So there's all this action about actual policy in the United States, and Congress isn't even meeting right now. Hmm. This is how bad this stuff is. What what I'm hearing is that she's putting together some budget, which, are, frankly, is going to bypass the budget committee, which I'm on, by the way, Great. and it's going to bypass the committee and go straight to the floor for a vote. Like, How are you going to put together a whole budget out of the Speaker's office and then say, okay, here's the budget. This is what we're voting on. Vote for it. What this is, Bob, is it is the most cynical approach because all they're trying to do is create a budget to satisfy the budget reconciliation rules but the members of congress are going to have no input on this Mm. this is what's going on this is not a representative republic right now this is a dictatorship being run from the left and for all their talk about how bad donald trump was donald trump did not use his pen and his phone he worked with congress right on virtually everything he worked with congress absolutely and that's the way this is supposed to go yeah, so disappointed. To see. Of course, his popularity continues to go up as this is going on. I think there might be a lot of buyer's remorse out there <laughs> with regard to what's what's happening. Hey, you made a comment uh, about the Citadel and Robin Hood and all the things that are going on with trading right now. Any thoughts and comments? Uh, I'm actually very concerned about this. I mean, Bob, look, I've been in the, in the industry. You've you made your career, mm-hmm. your entire lifelong career in the industry. Um, our financial system our stock market is supposed to be a wide open marketplace there are rules don't get me wrong we both know what the rules are mm-hmm. um there are rules but there's a wide open marketplace where people are able to buy and sell shares of companies regardless of what those companies are doing or not doing what's happened is if the if the reddit news feed found enough people to buy the stock of GameStop and drove it up the way it's been driven up i mean it was just ridiculous how far it was then there is no place for some for for some institution to step in one way or the other and say, oh no no, we can't sell those shares anymore. Now, frankly, Bob, the only way you, so only the only entity that could really do that to delist it should be the exchange itself. If the if the NYSC or I forget what exchange GameStop is on, actually decided to delist the stock yeah. for a myriad of reasons. But it's not just because you have a bunch of individuals. Frankly, you have tens of thousands of individuals who literally are becoming the market maker for GameStop. Well, it's, for GameStop, it, it, excuse me. Yeah, and see, this is what is very concerning to me. Yeah, I mean, and, and uh, basically pandering to hedge funds like Citadel, making sure that they're not going to suffer so they can keep, keep them in business. I hate that aspect of it. But it just raises this whole issue of front-running. I mean, when uh, a group of people, even on, a, let's say, a, a, a chat site, collude to drive up a worthless stock, uh, and uh, start buying it up. Doesn't that represent front running? Say that again, Bob. I'm sorry, you broke. Yeah, up. doesn't doesn't the uh, when when a bunch of people collude to b- drive up the p- value of a stock or the price of a stock, even though it's worthless, isn't that called front running? In other words, isn't that against the law? It could very well be, and I think that's where you have to have an actual investigation. Yeah. But I'm, it's not clear to me what Robinhood has done or not did. They just said you can't buy the stock anymore. Yeah. But there are other places where you can continue to buy the stock. Yeah. But again. This is actually the purpose of the SEC. That's their job. Right. And the concern I have is that if you have a, a, a trading platform or a broker platform just unilaterally saying, nope, we're not going to let you trade in that anymore, when if you look at Robinhood, the actual purpose of that application is for small investors to, to engage in the stock market. It yeah. makes it easy, significantly easier for them to do so. Absolutely. That's my concern. Absolutely. And that's why you know it's, just, it's clear to me, I do think there needs to be at a minimum, there have to be investigations. Maybe there have to be hearings on Capitol Hill. Uh, but there definitely should be an investigation. I think the SEC should definitely look into this. They're probably already already started, uh, and I, they should. Yeah, the number one thing you don't want to have for on, on either side of this is you don't want to have collusion. Right. Because that actually disrupts our markets because then you don't have free-flowing information. 
and then people can't actually be in our financial markets and trusting the system. That's the thing I'm mostly concerned about. Absolutely. And you know, Byron, uh, we're so proud of you. I mean, you, we've seen you on Fox and Friends, so the uh, spokesperson here, really for freedom up there. I just genuinely appreciate the work that you're doing in Congress. Uh, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me, Bob. You have a great day. You as well. Thank you, Byron. All right, coming up, we're going to visit with Kelly Apfel. She's the Community Relations Coordinator with the Midwest Food Bank. We're going to do that and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Do you suffer from joint pain in your shoulders, hips, or knees? I was suffering from debilitating pain in my knees. On a referral, I saw Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine. He successfully treated my symptoms and pain for several months. Finally, having exhausted all alternatives for pain management, Dr. Markovich and I agreed that surgery was my best alternative. Dr. Markovich replaced both of my knees in 2006, and I now have full range of motion in both knees, and I have no pain. I now play golf and exercise free of debilitating pain in my knees. Don't suffer needlessly with joint pain. Call orthopedic surgeon Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine at 482-5399. That's 482-5399. He did a great job for me and he'll help you too. Listen to the Bob Harden Show, so why not market your company to our loyal listeners? Ads are played live on each show and then archived so listeners can hear the show and your ad at their convenience. Each advertising package includes a banner on BobHarden.com with a link to your website at no extra charge. Join Lulabee's Diner, Johnson's Air Conditioning, Blue Provence, and many others who advertise on the show. Call me at 598-3889, that's 598-3889, or send an email to BobHarden at Hotmail.com to design an ad program that's just right for your business and your budget. You'll be pleasantly surprised at the cost and the value. Several advertisers have been with me for years. Find out why by calling 598-3889 or send me an email to bobharden at hotmail.com. You'll be glad you did. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host... Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. Hey, I want you to go uh, to the App Store and open Choice Social, a terrific new refreshing social media platform. It's introduced to me by a friend. It's really cool, and you can give it a try. Just search Choice Social. Uh, Renee Re- uh, Ralph, local here, has developed the site. It's really terrific. Choice Social. Coming up, we're going to be visiting with Dave Beagle, the author of The Devil at Our Doorstep. Right now we have with us Kelly Apfel. She is the Community Relations Coordinator with the Midwest Food Bank. Kelly, thank you so much for joining us. Good morning. Thank you so much for having us on. Absolutely. Kelly, tell us about the uh, Midwest Food Bank. What's it all about? Um, well, Midwest Food Bank, as it, the name suggests, is a, a food bank. We are a, a faith-based, not-for-profit that provides um, food and disaster relief. Uh, we have about um, 11 U.S. locations and one in Haiti and one in East Africa. But my specific role is in the Fort Myers, Florida division. Um, so uh, right here in Fort Myers itself. And um, basically, yeah, we, we provide um, food disaster relief to about 169 uh, nonprofit partner agencies throughout the entire state of Florida. Wow. Big job indeed, and uh, I would imagine because of the pandemic, uh, the need has only grown. Yeah, absolutely, and it's unfortunate that the need for food in the community is only growing. Um, our numbers came in for um, 2020, and our need definitely increased um, about 50%. So we went from donating in 2019, we donated about um $16 million worth of food up to um, 2020 numbers, we donated $52 million worth of food to the um, hungry people in Florida. So that that number is crazy. And obviously our numbers for 2021, we our goal is to rescue uh, and procure another $52 million worth of food. So yes, unfortunately, the need keeps growing. Um, 
COVID has only elevated our mission. Um, yeah. But you know what? We are we're, we we're taking it on. Uh, we're we're doing what we need to do and and, and adjusting um, our operations and um, and making it happen. Yeah. So I'm I'm very proud to be a part of Midwestern Bank Florida Division for sure. Yeah, and faith based. And also, I noticed here in the advanced material I received that. A $1 donation ends up in a $34 of hunger relief. That's an amazing statistic. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, those numbers, again, especially as I'm new to the role, as I learn more about that, I am definitely impressed. It's about three times what other um, local not-for-profits can do. And the, how we're able to do that is basically we have a very unique structure where we heavily rely on volunteers. Um, so we have about 800 amazing volunteers. I mean, they're, they're really a family. Mm. Um, and they do all kinds of jobs at uh, Midwestern Bank, you know, whether it's helping in the warehouse, helping with grant applications. Uh, we have a wonderful husband uh, and wife team, Diana and Richard, that come in every Tuesday and um, make everybody a great lunch during our loadout days, keep everybody fed and happy while they, you know, help our partner agencies load up their food. Um, so, yeah, it's that $1 to... Um, Thirty-four dollars is is really amazing. is is amazing and and happens because of that unique volunteer structure too. So you've got uh, this all costs money, of course, and you've got a fundraiser coming up. Maybe you can tell us about it. Yeah, you know, absolutely. We um, you know, of course, like everybody, we had to adapt and change our fundraising um campaign efforts. So this year, what we're doing is uh, a virtual auction and then a drive-through dinner component. So the the virtual auction is happening. Um, Wednesday the 17th of February through Friday the 19th of February. And that will be, um, you, if you, you can check out the details on our, our website, midwestfoodbank.org. Um, in our location, Florida, there's an events page there with full details. Um, but it's also on our um, Midwest Food Bank Florida Facebook page. So I always encourage people to follow that, check out all the details there. So the virtual auction, again, a great um, mix of, uh, items will be available. You know, we have a great me- uh, house in Mexico for rent. We have boat trips. We have designer bags. So something to fit all needs. And uh, then our drive-through carry-out dinner component uh, is happening on Saturday, the 20th of February at our warehouse in Fort Myers. So tickets are available now for that. Um, people can go onto the website again if they go to midwestfoodbank.org um, or go to the Facebook page. Tickets are available. And basically for a $100 ticket, um, you will be entitled to a prime rib three-course dinner, and you will come to our warehouse, um, drive through our warehouse. We'll have an interactive experience happening where people can learn a lot more about Midwestern Bank and our mission. And we will basically load in their meal into the back of their car in a disaster box. Um, we want, the thought with that is we wanted people to experience what it's like for a family when they have to um, you know, go to a, a food distribution and have food put in their, the, the trunk of their car. Um, so that's the two components for our February fundraiser. A little different this year, but we're excited. Um, we're really hoping that we'll, we'll get a lot of community support there to help us, you know, again, just continue to grow our mission efforts. Um, so definitely encourage people, go to our website, midwestfoodbank.org, and check out full details um, on that fundraiser. Um, any help would be truly appreciated. And as you said, that $1 donation, we can take that and turn it into $34 worth of food that we donate to uh, um, our, our hungry uh, people in Florida. Yeah, really fantastic. I'm looking at the website right now and uh, got the virtual auction up. When are we going to be able to see the items uh, uh, that are being auctioned? Um, so I have actually been doing a little sneak peek of some of the great items uh, via our Facebook page. So again, that's uh, Midwest Food Bank. Florida Division Facebook page. I've been putting a few items up there every day. I put a new item up so people get a, um, a little sneak peek of what um, what to expect. Yeah. And then about a week before the auction, um, I will all the items will be available for preview. Um, and then, like I said, at 8 a.m. on Wednesday, the 17th of February, that's when it will go live. So on the 17th, we can actually start bidding on the things. And we're, we're bidding against other people that might be observing and looking at some of these items as well. And on the 19th, uh, the, the winner, I'll call him a winner for, for each item, is uh, decided. Mm-hmm. At what time on the 19th? Um, the, the virtual auction closes Friday, the 19th of February at midnight. So you have about two and a half days. However, of course, you, you know, um, 
like most virtual auctions. You got to get all there. You got to bid if you want to win. You got to you got to be active on there. Um, again, lots of great items up. Um, so you, you know you get to buy a great item, and but you also get to support a great cause. So I tell people think ahead. Is there a birthday you have in mind? Um, you know, buy your Christmas gifts early. Um, yeah, yeah. There's gonna be. We've had a lot of great um, donations from the community on those um, items. Well, again, I, I, this is my first exposure to the Midwest Food Bank. I'm so impressed on the work that you do. And again, I recommend our listeners go to uh, MidwestFoodBank.org. MidwestFoodBank.org is the website. Kelly Apfel, again, Community Relations Coordinator. I genuinely appreciate you coming on the show. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. My pleasure, indeed. What a charming accent, huh? Sound maybe. I'm not sure from where. Anyhow, coming up, we're going to be visiting with Dave Bego. He is the author of The Devil at Our Doorstep. We're going to do that and more right here on The Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of The Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. have an extra auto you'd like to donate to charity maximize your tax deduction support your favorite charity and help a local child in need by calling naples auto donation center naples auto donation center is a not-for-profit licensed car dealer just call nadc at 692-9840 and they'll take it from there you get a properly documented tax deduction for whatever the vehicle actually sells for your designated beneficiary charity gets half the profit after fix-up costs and the net revenue generated by NADC goes to Friends of Foster Children to provide tutoring and other enrichment activities for foster children the government doesn't provide. And NADC is also one of the few places in Collier County that sells inexpensive cars that actually run to folks who would otherwise not be able to afford one. It's a real win-win. Call Naples Auto Donation Center at 692-9840 or visit the website nadckids.com. You'll be glad you did. Welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the Foundation for Government Accountability, creating policies and programs to get able-bodied folks off of welfare and back to work. It's a moral imperative, and you can find out more by visiting thefga.org. We have, as I mentioned before the break, Dave Bego. He wrote a book called The Devil at Our Doorstep. It is a terrific read. It's unfortunate that it was all, it's about all the dirty tricks that the bosses from SEIU played in order to get Dave to sign a neutrality agreement, which would have allowed his empl- his, uh, them to go by and sign up his employees one at a time through intimidation, force, coercion, whatever it might be. And once they got to 50% plus one, he would their organization would be unionized, executive management services. But he said, no, if you want to unionize our shop, you're going to have to do it through secret ballot. For whatever reason, they didn't want to do that. And so he put up with dirty tricks for the course of two and a half years. His book, The Devil at Our Doorstep, a terrific read. Dave, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me on, Bob. I appreciate it. Always a pleasure, Dave. And, uh, you know, we're just watching. You, you predicted that uh, right now that uh, we're going to be going down this journey towards socialism. That's what the left is wanting. And with these executive orders, one by one, I scratched my head and said, what's this doing for America? How's this making us great again? It's not. It's it's taking us down the, the path towards socialism. Socialism, communism, Bob, and that's exactly right. Um, they want to control this country. And, you know, Biden... Um, he is controlled by the left-wing socialists and communists and the unions and that because um, uh, they know uh, they can control him and that uh, he really doesn't have the ability to be president anyway. And um, all the things they're doing is, is incredible. And uh, there's something I just wanted to uh, say here fairly quick. Mm-hmm. Um, I got an article from a friend of mine here in Indianapolis. He's a, well, He's about 82 years old or so. But he sent me one, an article on a little gun history. And this is part of what socialism is. And uh, it talks about gun control. And let me give you a few examples. Um, 1929, the Soviet Union established gun control. And from 1929 till 1953, 20 million dissidents, unable to defend themselves, were rounded up and exterminated. 
1911, Turkey established uh, gun control, and from 1915 to 1917, 1.5 million of them were unable to defend themselves, were rounded up and exterminated. And then it talked about Germany doing the same thing in 39 to 45, 13 million people um, were rounded up and exterminated. And same thing happened in China, Guatemala, Uganda, Cambodia. And in total, um, during this time period, and this all went up to 1977, by the way, 56 million defenseless people were rounded up and exterminated in the 20th century because of gun control. Yeah. And the Democrats want to do that. You know what? I know they want they want to do whatever they can in order to limit the guns uh, here in America. But you know, the thing is, every time they this comes up, this topic, gun sales go through the roof. <laughs> so, I don't think people have a sense of humor about losing their Second Amendment rights. No, no, not at all. And it's and uh, you know that it's just something that's uh, sad to see. And um, again, this is a part of the control that they want. They want to drop on us yeah so we're seeing these uh uh these executive orders roll out among them this look like it's climate change is a, is a big thrust immigration allowing people to come in through the gates so stopping the wall uh is any of this in in support of helping the american people no this is all about control and um i wish people would go on my site and um uh, read my blog that I, I wrote actually back in March 21st of 2011 called Restoring American's Prosperity. And it talks about all these things that you just talked about that we need to stop, you know, and uh, and uh, make sure that American um, prosperity moves ahead, you know, open drilling and, and controlling illegal immigration and the borders and uh, um, uh, repealing Obama's health care, engaging um, um, you know, um, well, he said, uh, he said on Tuesday afternoon that, uh, his administration wasn't likely to end racial injustice during the time in the white house, but he promised that while he's in office, the federal government will take every action possible to address the problem. And now Macron, I don't know if you saw this speech that he'd given up at the uh, world, uh, this, uh, event for the world economic forum. And uh, he basically said that uh, just free, free enterprise, capitalism just doesn't work anymore because of the pandemic. So this is how they're beating the drum. This is what they're saying right now. And uh, Biden, I think, is right in there with them. He wants to join the Paris Peace uh, Climate Accord. Uh, I'm sure he wants to get in. He wants to join these folks and and getting rid of uh, capitalism. It's just it's really pathetic, actually, what's happening because President Trump set up a beautiful situation where we're bringing corporations back to america uh jobs are increasing incomes are increasing well you know what biden wants none of that no that's right and here's the sad thing on top of that the republican party doesn't have the backbone to uh, stand up and and um, stop this stuff um, unfortunately a big percentage of our, our republican um you know, congressional and Senate people are just um, weak people. Yeah. And in um, that same article I just told you about, it was actually the seventh point that I made, is that we need to enact, enact a law to provide for, for all political campaigns to be funded by government, not individuals, corporations, and unions. And, um, um, you know, and we also got to install term limits for all elected government positions. This will encourage the type of voluntary government participation envisioned by our founders instead of the desire for lifetime positions. Yeah, you know, the president, uh, uh, Washington, when he took office, he was reluctant. He was a, he had his farm in, in Mount Vernon. He had wonderful things going on. He reluctantly went to serve the country and then went back uh, afterwards uh, to, to his business, to what he was doing. Uh, right now, the, did you know that there's a $25,000 increase in income in this last bill that was passed to to, to, to the pandemic bill? $25,000 a piece in Congress to increase in income. You know, uh, they should be making, you know, you should be making uh, meager wages up there while you're doing. You should be up there to serve, not to a profit and to make a lot of money. Well, that's exactly right, Bob. And, um uh you know, uh, but too many of them, they just, uh, they want to go up there and they know they don't have to do a lot of things. And 
they don't they know they don't have to stand up and have a backbone if they need to um if they just uh, can get people to like them and they can just stay in office that's what they do yeah and you know we had a we had a senator from here from indiana that i had breakfast with years ago and um i told him we need a term limits and he says no dave we can't have those i go why not he says well i don't know what i do in in the free market yeah <laughs> and i looked at him and i said senator you have a law degree you could be an attorney yeah. you need to uh spend a couple terms in washington and then go back to the free market and we need other people to step up here we need to do that all the time in this country yeah what did he say he says, "No, nope, I can't do that, yeah, Dave. I just don't." <laughs> and this is the problem. This is the problem we have, Bob. Yeah, is that um, we have too many people in politics that it's all about them in politics um, and control. Yep. Uh, even on the Republican side, Absolutely. and I'm afraid the Republican Party is going to come down. Yeah. But uh, uh, politicians really don't know how to be successful in the free market. So, I mean, uh, Tr President Trump met with Kevin McCarthy yesterday, and it uh, looks like he's not going to be starting this Patriot Party, but rather supporting people to get elected uh, in, in to replace some of the never-Trumpers, which is a good thing. I, I like that. But what are your thoughts about where, where is this all going with President Trump? What do you think he's going to do? I don't know. Um, I haven't heard too much behind the scenes Um We'll see. I, I think it's going to depend on how things go here in the next few months. But uh, um, I, I'd like to see him stand up and uh, um, try and get back involved in that. And, uh, you know, the, I get articles from the Arizona Freedom Alliance, too. And um, they're actually looking at starting a new party out there and uh, called the Republic Republican Party Alliance um, to bring back the GOP to this party. Uh, stance it should be yeah uh cheney apparently is i think she's from arizona is she not uh no she's uh from from uh, wyoming uh apparently yeah. she's losing the support of her party because she voted to impeach trump they're very angry about that up there now her her popularity is single digits and apparently some guy out there running who's uh very popular looks like she's she's going to be a one-termer uh, in Congress because of her lack of popularity and making bad decisions. People go up there and they think all of a sudden they're free of the uh, um, uh, their commitment to their to their constituents. Apparently, she forgot that she she reports to them. They don't report to her. Yeah, it, it's it, it's sad how these people look at this stuff. And uh, you know, again, Bob, it's uh, it's I go back to the term limit things that, and I agree with you and some of your comments that uh, we've got to have term limits because we've got to get people to go up there and do the right thing for America and spend time doing the right thing for America then get back into the free market after they've been there a couple terms. Yeah, let me let me tell you why this is a great idea. I mean, that, frankly, I'm, I'm concerned about the idea is that you have these professional bureaucrats up there that end up running the show because you have freshmen coming in all the time. What's good about it, however, is is usually the good guys or the good people that are up there get elected. They only stay for a couple of terms anyhow. Then they, they want they want to get out. It's it's the ones that we the Maxine Waters of the world that want to stay there for a lifetime. So term limits I think is a good idea. Yeah, I do too. And uh, you know, one other thing on this administration, they're really pushing hard for the unions and um, you know, just recently Biden uh, put in temporarily a um, a guy to run the National Labor Relations Board, you know, Mr. Orr, and um, he is a big union guy, and uh, and you know this is just a step toward establishing a more union friendly labor board. Yeah. Well, unfortunately, what we're seeing is there's no deception. He's not trying to sell his agenda. He's just out there just taking the, trying to take the country down to tubes, in my opinion. I don't think it's going to work. It's not making, uh, to, to uh, again, use a quote, it's, it's not going to sell on Peoria, quite frankly. Dave, you know, I, I want to refer our listeners to your book, again, The Devil at Our Doorstep. It's a great read. The website is thedevilatourdoorstep.com. Also, you can get a copy of the book on my website at a nice discount, of course, at any book purveyor. I always recommend don't use Amazon anymore. But <laughs> anyhow, Dave, I just genuinely appreciate you coming on the show. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, Bob, I'd like people to go on and read my blog, too. They can do that at thedevilatmydoorstep.wordpress.com. All right. And uh, my blog talks about all these things for the past 10 years. All right, Dave, thank you so much for joining us. All right, take care, Bob. You too, thank you.
Well, that's our app here in today's show. I hope you enjoyed it. I certainly did. Uh, if you have any comments, you can send me an email at bobharden at hotmail.com. Join us Monday. Uh, Mark Schulman, the founder and publisher of HistoryCentral.com, will be with us. We'll be talking about current global events. Larry Reed, the uh, president emeritus of the Foundation for Economic Education, will be joining us. And my lovely wife, Linda, will be with us as well. I hope you make it a great day on the Paradise Coast or wherever you are. Namaste. Thanks so much for listening to the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. For more information and audio files of previous shows, visit www.bobharden.com. <laughs>